Hello, Texans, and welcome to the program. We take you inside NRG Stadium. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris together again, our first show in a while, ready to rock. Lots of stuff to talk about. Johnny, let's go. Yeah, let's do it. I'm, I'm glad you're back. It was fun with Theme Week last week. We had an opportunity to... I enjoyed that. Some of the, some of the great stuff that we were able to do during the offseason, but let's go. It's 17 days to the start of training Ooh. camp, we will be doing training camp live from 8 to 10. In two weeks, it's camp week. Yeah, it's that's, camp That's week. another way to put it. That's, that's the big way to look two at it. Two weeks from Thursday, mm-hmm. that sounds like nothing. And it is. We got a lot of work to do, actually. Our department has a lot of work to do. We got <laughs> yeah. preseason, radio, TV, training camp shows, yes. all the other stuff. But let's get into this. U.S. women's national soccer team wins the World Cup, right? They beat the Netherlands. Yeah. My country. Your my country. country people. Do you notice how many? I know you did. How many were named Vander? Yeah, Vander. Vander this, Vander that. I you've told, told you've told us this before yes. that it's the that like Vander. I can't remember what you said. Vander is from the from the mm-hmm. yeah, and Van is just from like Van Gundy is right. from. I don't know what Gundy means, but right. believe me, that's that's a Dutch name from defense. Yeah, from defense. Van Gundy from, from scores in the eighties. As just a quick tangent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Jeff Van Gundy's new favorite team is the LA Clippers. Because? Patrick Beverly, Kawhi Leonard, oh, yeah, and Paul gonna, George. They're going to get after they're it. They're going to lock you down at half yeah. court. Yeah, it's going to be fun, by the way. <laughs> You'll be lucky to get the ball past half court against that, that backcourt. Oh, my gosh. I By the way, NFL-related note to all the NBA free agency stuff, they're saying the NBA is more wide open since, I don't know, it's the most wide open it's been since... A decade ago, yeah. over a decade yeah. ago, since the since Big the Three got to um, Miami. Well, maybe since the Big Three or got to Celtics. Boston. Yeah, you know, a, because yeah. there was a thought that, oh, they're definitely going to win a couple. They won one. They got to another finals, mm-hmm. and that was it. But that was all right for them. But it, they say the NFL has all this parity. And yes, but not really, because we were talking about it in a show shortly before the break, how you look at the AFC, it's all Patriots all the time. In fact, since Bill O'Brien has been here, it's been Patriots or Broncos in the Super Bowl out of the AFC. The NFC has been a little more, I don't know, well, I did democratic the, I did the, who I gets did, to go there. I did the math on that, Mark. If you just the last few years, you've had Rams, mm-hmm. Eagles, Falcons, mm-hmm. um, Panthers at one point, Seahawks. Panthers in 15. Yeah. The only repeat was you had the Seahawks in 13 and 14. Yeah. And then after that, you had Panthers in 15, Falcons in 16, you had Eagles in 17, you had the Rams in 19. And even before the Seahawks, you had the 49ers. You had the 49ers in 12, you had the Giants in 11, you had the Packers in 10, Cardinals. You, you had the Saints in 9, oh, you had the, the Cardinals in 8. eight yeah. And then you had the Giants again in 07. I mean, I don't want to say nearly every team in the NFC has made it, but you've had much more opportunity. And so I went back and I looked at starting in – how about this? This is, another, this is another little nugget that I thought of when I was going through theme week. I was, I was thinking about quarterbacks, and I actually said this one day, that the Texans will face every MVP that's still in the league – Minus one this year in some capacity. Who's the minus one? Adrian Peterson. Dating back to Peyton Manning in 2003, I think. So other than one, they will face all the active MVPs. All the active MVPs because the only retired one is Peyton Manning. Well, that'll take us to our segment two topic, which is 
about the schedule and mm-hmm. something that Clint Sterner tweeted out yeah, in we'll the last couple of weeks and yeah. some of the reaction to that. So we'll get into that. But here, and yeah, I just thought I'd bring up the parody or lack thereof thing out of the AFC because the Patriots are so good. Yeah. But it also, it's funny when you're on vacation and you're talking to pedestrians, no, yes. normal people, normal mm-hmm. people, maybe normal people, people not in the, in the biz, and you're, yeah. you're discussing these things. And yeah, I point out, yeah, the Patriots have been to so many Super Bowls and they've won so many. And look at the close scores. Yeah. Look at how all these Super Bowls could have turned on a dime in the fourth quarter, wins and losses, yep. and how fine the line is. And all the work they do, as great as they are, enables them to get over that line more often than not. So, and, and look at this year, AFC Championship game, they have to win it in overtime. They need yeah. a five-yard penalty to get off the field. They needed a lot of help there to uh, to win that. Not help. They, they did what it took. I don't want to right. take anything away from them. And then in the Super Bowl... Well, look, they put up 13 points. If you tell me 13 points going in, Wade Phillips would take that every day, twice on Sunday, four times on Super Bowl Sunday, whatever. They got 13 points. They held them to that, and they still lose. Yeah. It's that kind of team. They when, just find a way. When the Patriots had, had the ring ceremony and Tom Brady had his six rings on, yeah. he was showing it like this because obviously five fingers on one hand, mm-hmm. although Tom Brady might have eight fingers Promoting on Promoting right nausea in many people, including me. So he – had I think he put three fingers on each hand. <laughs> three rings on each hand? Three rings on each hand. And somebody took that picture, and they drew arrows, basically, to each ring, and they pointed to the ring and said, they, they pointed to a ring and said, this was... Malcolm Butler. This was Vinatieri's win. This oh. was Mal- Yeah, this was Malcolm Butler making the play. And then they pointed to an, a, a finger that he didn't have the ring on, and this was could have beaten the Giants. Yeah. And the whole point was he's got six, and the Patriots have six in that time. And it really could be six because if you want to say, well, they maybe shouldn't have won those ones. They came back against Atlanta. Maybe shouldn't have won that one. Well, yeah, maybe they could have finished the one where they were 18-0 going in and beaten the Giants in 07. Yeah. They didn't beat the Giants in 11. Maybe they make a play in the fourth quarter and beat the Eagles. Right. Uh, you know, Maybe Tom doesn't fumble the ball when he gets hit by Brandon Graham. So – it it's six either way you look at it because, yeah, they could have won one of the others. Uh, maybe if they win the 7 one, maybe they don't win the 14 one. Who knows? But the fact that he's sitting there with six, I thought it was interesting how they pointed out that the the fingers that don't have rings could have had rings while the fingers that had rings could have been without, depending on certain things happening. But they've all been close. The the biggest margin was eight Yeah, in that in the one against the Eagles. It's not like the, the 49ers five, and I know Young won one of those and, and Montana won right. four, but – Montana had the close one where he hit John Taylor mm-hmm. late, but the rest of the the other three were lopsided victories. Yeah, the Bengals backdoored scores. them into a late score to make it a closer right. score, I think, at the end. Steve Young dominant over San Diego yep. and Stan Humphreys. So the Patriots play these close games. So in a way, the national fan, as much as they're sick of seeing New England, I guess you know, quote, that you're going to get a close Super Bowl, but I don't want to see any more of these. Thank you very much. No, I'm done. All right, so over the weekend, U.S. Women's National Team wins the World Cup. Yes. Now, NFL equivalent of this, because it was an inter- interesting rule situation with all the Vander Girls uh, facing Team USA. Right. And the Vander Girls were not passing the ball well, by the way. My, I don't know anything about soccer. Yeah, I don't either. But I know when the other team looks better, <laughs> and USA looked a lot better. <laughs> Moving the ball around, peppering yeah. the goal, the goaltender for the Netherlands oh, was outstanding. She was unbelievable. She was like an NHL oh, NHL goalie, standing on her head, you know, just making plays. Uh, but they were just peppering her with shots. Anyway, 
the big play, this was the equivalent of third quarter of the Super Bowl. Yeah. And you, you actually mapped this one out for me. Third quarter of the Super Bowl, pass interference, and it's not called, but upstairs. Yep. Oh, no, it's, it can't be upstairs in the third quarter. Somebody throws a flag. Somebody throws the challenge flag, yeah. And you get pass interference and you get the ball at the one-yard line. Because I will say this, in soccer, as difficult as it is to score one goal in that sport, that penalty kick is way too close. You're basically, <laughs> no, it's a free throw. You're handing the opponent a goal for a penalty. That was a clean, look, was, that was a good call. Yeah. That, that was a penalty. But should, should you really get a free goal for that? I, you know, I don't know. I just I don't know I can't, I'm but, not an expert in the sport, but it just seems to be too much. But this is coming in our sport too, and, and the thing is, is it's been here for a long time. And I and I, I thought about this, and I'm trying to remember which game it was. May have been Seattle in 17. I, I can't remember. It was one of the games where we were struggling in the secondary, and I thought, why? I think it was a Seattle game. And there were you know two minutes left, and I just remember thinking before Russell Wilson took the field on the the drive that put them oh. ahead. I remember thinking, well, why doesn't he just throw it deep? Just get an interference call. I mean, yeah. you'll get you'll get one. I mean, our secondary was not playing well that day. At that point, our guys are just – somebody's probably just going to pull somebody down, give them the ball at the five-yard line, but it's an easy touchdown at that point. So that that is coming in our – that's coming in our game. Yep. That That is coming in our game. Where there you is, can have a review. Right. Because remember, in yesterday's game, that was going to be a corner kick. Right. US your your memory kick. is phenomenal here. I'll give you full credit for that. I was thinking, how how the game stop again? Yeah, they were going to get a corner kick. Mm-hmm. And then there was a review. Yep. Let's have a look at this. The referee wanted to look. There was a review from upstairs. They said, penalty. Give her a free goal. Right. Not a free goal, but a, a good shot at right. one. And, and she got it. So I think in the NFL, this is... I'm throwing the flag because I think there was pass interference. Yes, there was pass interference, right. some. Now I get the ball at the one because it was in the end zone. I get the ball at the one, and boom, I get a free touchdown, basically. Here's, here's where, to me, it wasn't so much a Hail Mary situation that the U.S. was in. It was just a longer ball, and it was a clear penalty. I think that's the one thing to take out of it, I guess. If the, if the NFL is – like that, where there is an egregious pass interference. Like, mm-hmm. you can't argue with the call. Like, you cannot argue with the fact that that was a penalty by the the Netherlands uh, defender. Mm-hmm. That was a penalty. Like, you, you could see it. My fear is that this is going to come up in an AFC championship or a Super Bowl, and you're going to go, oh, man, I don't know. He's yeah. got a little bit of shirt, but yep. then the, the offensive guy's got a little bit of shirt, too. Oh man, here's the here's the one that here's the one that's going to be really interesting. And I I read Rich Eisen wrote MMQB a couple weeks ago, and he said they had it was Rich Eisen it was a, a few other a few other people media members and other analysts and stuff involved, and they were watching plays and Dean Bland, I think it was Dean Blandino or or the NFL I can't remember they were showing I think maybe Al Riverham they were showing plays and they were showing pass interference plays. And they showed a play and said, what would have been the outcome? And everybody watched the play, and they came up with what they thought the outcome was. And it was, was a defense pass interference. Basically, it was a defense pass interference or not. And they came back, and they went to the review and said, it's actually going to be termed offensive pass interference. That 
That, to me, is the wrinkle in this whole thing. Yeah. If no flag has been thrown mm-hmm. and somebody challenges, like, challenge that. Yep. The offense might get – they might get dinged yeah. for pass interference. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember the play. So you might throw a challenge flag and get your own guy ticketed. Right. You might get your own guy nailed. Now, somebody will go, well, wait a second. How, how big a deal is that? Well, it's a what's, – what's pass interference? What's offense ten pass yards. Ten yard penalty. So now – Instead of being third and ten, mm-hmm. you throw one. You throw you know deep intermediate route. Instead of being, you know, you're in say you're in field goal range. Yep. Now you move ten yards out of field goal range. Now it goes from being third and ten to third and twenty, or second and twenty again. But still, now you're out of field goal range, and you're going wait a second. I got back in field goal range, so it could completely go the other way. And I'm trying to remember the play because it was a pretty significant play. But he said, under the rules, they could go back under the hood because no flag was thrown and throw the flag on the offense. Is it too— That's wild to me. Is it too much of a punishment on the defense? Because even as you say—I don't want to open up this can right now, but I guess I will just briefly. Brief can here. Ten yards on the offense, but the defense— Spot foul. You might pay the full Monty here. Yeah. I mean, that's really—it just doesn't seem right. You— if you get a clear push on a guy at the one, and it's an OPI, it's ten yards back from your line of scrimmage on the defense. It's Ball a, goes it's, there. it's first and goal at the one. That just doesn't seem fair. And maybe look, I don't know the best way to do it. You can't do fifteen yards like college. No. There will be too much. But can you do eighty percent of the total? How about that? Eighty percent of the total, Johnny. Okay. How are you going to figure that out? Can you see them down there <laughs> with their calculators going? Wait, da 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 times point eight. Okay, Look, ball be right. It's modern era. You can't and bring math into this. There's, there's a guy in the booth who can do it. Math. You can't bring math. I got an idea. This? We'll just ask you. We'll just have them ask you on the sideline. Eighty percent of where it would have gone. Wait, thirty-seven yards. What's eighty percent of thirty-seven? I don't. I. I well, already... maybe what you could do is a scaled system. Hmm? You could do a scaled system where if if the throw was between if the if the completion would have been somewhere between you know zero to to 15 Ooh. yards, it's a five-yard penalty Ooh. or a spot foul. If it was anywhere from 15 to 40 yards, it's maybe 15-yard penalty. And if it was anywhere beyond 40 yards, it turns into a 25-yard penalty. I don't know. You can maybe scale it that way. I don't know. That just sounds like something we would have made up in street football. That sounds more complicated than 80%, Johnny. Maybe. That, that might be more difficult to track than 80%. Okay, coming up, Clint Sterner's tweet about the Texans' schedule. He didn't say it was easy, but he said – hey, let's look at it closely here and determine if it is as difficult as people think. So we'll debate, discuss that, plus other stuff going on around the NFL. It's Texans Radio. So great to be back on Texans Radio after a break for me. Johnny's been on doing the theme programming last week, 4th of July week. Hope you had a great break. If you did get one, if you're going to get one, hope you have a great one. If you're not going to get one, I hope everything's going well. That's all I can say about that. Employment is a very good thing. So if you can't get time off, that's too bad. But at least you got that. Anyway, did I cover everybody here? Probably yeah, not, but I'm not going to do it. Got, you got close. Enough. All right. So Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you in the Hyundai Texans radio studio. Clint Sterner, our buddy who you've seen on 360, you've heard here a little bit, obviously a whole lot on Sports Radio 610, and we're kind of getting him involved in the offense here a little. Clint, the former quarterback from Arkansas, played a little bit for the Dallas Cowboys as well. Uh, talking a lot of Texans because he's been on Sports Radio 610. He tweeted out recently, 
Texans 2019 schedule is tough, but let's look at it from a different angle. Now, I'm going to go through some of the things he pointed out here. He was, how do you how do you put this, Johnny? Not attacked, but he was called out on a particular website yeah. about uh, ripping Marcus Mariota, which he, he really, I guess he kind of did criticize him, ripping him, I don't know. He said, all right, here's what he says about some of the opponents. Kansas City, no Tyreek Hill. Potentially. Potentially, right. We don't know that for sure. New England, no Gronk. Mm. All right. Well, no Gronk, no Trey Flowers, no Trent Brown. But wait, wait, is number 12 still playing? Okay, well, we get the base. Thanos is still playing. Carolina post-surgery Cam Newton. Look, you just don't know what you're getting with that. You just don't know. And Cam Newton can make plays so many different ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, again, I don't want to get into the uh, individuals here until we're um, through with the whole list. Jacksonville Foles times two, Foles question mark. Denver Flacco question mark. Tennessee Mariota scares no one times two, meaning you face Tennessee twice and he scares no one. That's the one that really jumped out to the particular website in Tennessee that called him out. Now, Mariota, is it fair to say he scares no one? You can't say he scares no one, but he's, you know, this is Twitter hyperbole to a degree. It's a good point that Tennessee in one, on one hand, has Mariota, who hasn't lived up to the billing of the number two overall pick in the draft. Let's be honest. Right. That's very fair to say, very true. It's also fair to say that Tennessee has been dangerous with or without Marcus Mariota. Week two, Exhibit A, last year, with Blaine Gabbert, you know, you had Deshaun Watson going in there, and you were desperate for a win week two, and you weren't able to get it because they game-planned well, they played it well with Blaine Gabbert, they ran the ball well, and they held you to what? 17 or whatever it was that yeah. day. Yeah, 20 to 17. Yeah, 17. yeah. So Tennessee's dangerous with or without Mariota, I think. Now they have Ryan Tannehill as a backup, but Mariota, does he scare no one? I, I don't know if that's completely slamming him. It's just a quick way to say on Twitter that this is not exactly a world-beating guy, and I think that's fair to say. Well, somebody t- retweeted to Clint. First of all, some of the responses I read to Clint, I was about to jump in, and I'm like, Clint, I got your back. I mean, Clint, I do have your back. But I was like, uh, you know, you get in these. You, you don't want to get in the Twitter war here. These uh, urination matches back and <laughs> forth. And it's just like, because <laughs> you're, de- you're dealing with people that just, they look at it with a bias. And, of course, our bias is the is the Texans. But I've often, when it comes to the Titans, I've just said, I, I've used those words before. The Titans don't scare me. Yeah, they, in 2016, since, since 2014, since Bill's, uh, been in the building. We've beaten them every year, every year here. Right. In 2016, we played a game that didn't matter mm-hmm. in Up Nashville. There. Yeah. In the last week, 17 didn't matter. We played them in, in 2017, a 17 to 13 game. We're driving for the go ahead touchdown with under two minutes left, with Tom Savage and a receiving core that included Steven Anderson, DeAndre Hopkins, Chris Thompson, and Andre Ellington. Mm. I think one guy he was throwing to that day is still in the NFL. So then there's that. Now, the week two matchup last year, they had a great plan. They they knew all along Marietta was not going to be in the game, and Gabbert came in, and they played well. And look, we did not do things well. We leave uh, uh, Crookshank wide open on the punt. Right. They get oh. that. They fumble oh. late in the game. J.J. forces the fumble on Corey Davis on the screen. We can't get on that. Look, we had every opportunity to beat them at Nashville. Left, uh, used up too much time on the clock, trying but I, to get a winning field goal yeah. or a tying field goal, rather. Well, Mark, do you remember in the Monday night game? I, I honestly never felt in the Monday night game 
once we kind of got going after they made it 10 nothing, I was like, they're not beating us. They're not going to beat us. Marcus Mariota went 24 of 25 that game. That's incredible. 24 of 25 for that game. And to Clint's point, were you scared? Like, yeah. I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't at all. all right. I wasn't scared of Marriott. I wasn't scared of what that offense could do. And he made a couple of nice throws for touchdowns. But when they've come in this building, I mean, think about it this way. How many times has Mariota beaten us? Uh, How many times? Has he ever started a victory one time? 2017, that one, the game against uh, when we were four and whatever. Oh, oh, the one up there. Yeah, That's the it. one up there That's you were the talking only about. Time. He's you been know, in this I league for- since 2015. I for- he's only played us a handful of times. Yeah. But he's never won here. He's only beaten us the one time there in 2017. That's it. Because in 16 it was Castle, and 18 it was Gabbard. If you had to win one game, and I'm going to hand you, and you don't know what they're going to look like, right? I'm going to hand you the 2019 Titans or the 2019 Jaguars to play, and you must win this game. <laughs> <laughs> oh man you know what uh, i'll give you another one you got to go on the road and play either team you got to go on the road and play the titans <sighs> or the jaguars and you have to win that game <laughs> which i would pick i'll tell you what though i would much rather go play at nashville <sighs> i would much rather well, go play at nashville. because right now right now you feel like you you know what you're going to get in nashville versus a even though they, bit, yeah. even though they kind of ambushed bit. you in that game with the Derrick Henry, Wild Henry plays right, or right. whatever, but with Jacksonville, you don't really know with Nick Foles. It could be good. It could, right. I don't think it's going to be that great. It, I think but it'll which be defense better. Defense has a better chance of stopping you. Yeah, Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Thank you. Yeah. No, I, look, I know Tennessee. Even getting, though Tennessee just held you to seventeen last year, uh, you think Tennessee's holding us to seventeen again? Not, not this team. No, not that, this team. that's not happening. No. It was, and look, the one I'm not going to fall into the trap that. That blog went after Clint about, and that was making basically it was making excuses for Mariota. Every single, oh, he's got a new offensive coordinator every year. He's had right. new this. It's it's changed. Doesn't have receivers. It's all. It's like well, that you know, that's some that's legit. I, I don't I don't disagree with that. Yeah, I really don't. I think that does. I think it was one of the things, and I said this about Alex Smith when Alex Smith people were saying, look, he's not going to be a great quarterback with the San Francisco Forty ers I was like, look, stop the transition points for him. Yeah. Stop giving him new offensive coordinators. Stop giving him new head coaches. Give him some stability. He got with the right guy, and it completely took off. And Completely so, took off for them. They went to the NFC right, Championship game. Right. And so I, I think that Mariota can be a dangerous guy. Now, when he's, in the, when, he is, when he's got the ball in his hands, I do worry. I worry. But what he has not done, here's the one thing that Mariota has not done. He has not learned when... Get out of dodge and go get out of the pocket and make a play or go run mm-hmm. as opposed to I'm going to hang in this pocket and show everybody I can stay in this pocket and go yeah. make a throw. That I think that's the one thing. Somewhere along the line it's gotten in his head that I've got to prove to everybody I'm a pocket passer as opposed to pockets breaking down. Let me go put some pressure on the defense by getting out of the pocket because once he does that, then his, his whole pocket awareness is all off. It's completely off. It's not like he's played behind a horrible offensive line. Now, last year was not great, in particular one game against the Baltimore Ravens. He was but, sacked 11 times. But a lot of that has to do with him. He's standing back there, and he's not, he's not processing what he's seeing, and then he's also not get out of dodge. That's the one thing that Deshaun has an innate feel for. Even with everything that's going on, he's got a pretty good feel for 
get out of Dodge and go start making a play. He's just so desirous of making a play downfield, right. Deshaun, of completing the pa- Even though he runs the ball well, right. clearly, he wants to make plays downfield with his arm. And Mariota too often bails on those opportunities when they might be there for yeah. him. I mean, he just it's, – it's almost as if he freezes in the pocket, almost as if he's – Oh, I got to stay back here. As opposed to, it's closing down, get out of Dodge. Because the one thing he has, his his best asset is the ability to get out of the pocket and run away from guys. I remember the game that we smashed him here in 17. He scores two touchdowns on zone replays. And we're like, uh-oh, that scares me. Mar- that right, so scares me. Mariota was the number two pick of the draft, right? Yep. Had he come out in 2014, because he stayed in school. Right. Had he come out in 2014, is he going number one? Yes. Or is he going number two behind Clowney? Well. I mean, so give me I – don't, I don't want to debate him versus Clowney, but is he going one of those top two yes. spots right He goes there? in one of the two, top two spots. Right, sure. Because Bortles was number three, as it turned right. out, so he's not slipping any lower than that. He would grade out higher than Bortles on anybody's board, right. obviously. But with the – the Texans probably would have taken him. I think because so, Because yeah. they were looking quarterback. They, you know, that was the Fitzpatrick year. So right. they would have taken Mariota right there. Maybe it would have turned out totally differently. Who knows? Uh, it's just that kind of thing. This is fun stuff to discuss. All right, a few more items on Sterner's list that we must get to and some other stuff going on around the National Football League. We are busy on a Monday. It's Texans Radio. I don't know how we're going to fit all this into one show tonight. Welcome again, Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you in the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. Texans All Access and we were discussing a few things related to the Texans schedule and Clint Sterner tweeting out about how the schedule, while not easy at all, might be a little bit more of a lamb than a wolf in certain areas. And we were talking about the Titans because he took a lot of heat for saying Mariota scares no one with uh, Tennessee. But let me ask you this, Johnny, going over some of the other games pointed out here in this schedule analysis, which used very few characters, KC, no Hill. So if Tyreek Hill is not with Kansas City, how does that affect them? They're still an extremely dangerous team. Yeah. Again, it's just like as long as Watson's playing, you got a great shot to win a game. Sure. As long as Mahomes is out there, Kansas City's going to be deadly. Well, did you you saw the picture I sent you, right? You made their off-season programming TV, the franchise. You made it. So I'm in the booth next to mm-hmm. Mitch, Mitch Holtis, Holtis, who is describing the play-by-play of Nile Davis's 100-yard kick return to start the playoff game. And Great. the the, Great. Be- the best part of the video is you can see you in the background just kind of slump up against <laughs> the wall. And Holtis is going crazy. A tale of two booths. I, I, I get the impression, and look, I know a lot of people, and I know you've done it just like Mitch does, you, you go out and you speak to groups and – you know, it's not usually filmed, and you're telling people, "Hey, you know, we can do this," and it's kind of a, you know, kind of a rah-rah thing. But if he's buying what he's selling every single time he talks, they're thinking about going 19 and 0. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the way they're feeling. I don't know that I, it, I don't know that I can buy. I, I heard a discussion. I can't remember who was talking about this on 610, but I heard them talking about the the impact of Tyreek Hill and. You can get lost in well. What is Tyreek Hill? Is he a is he a receiver? Is he running back? What is he? I'm like it doesn't really matter. No, because you put him on the field, and it's the instant he gets the ball in his hands, he's scary. The instant he's out wide and he's running by you, he's terrifying. Mm-hmm. So without him, that element is not there. Now, are you still scared of Travis Kelsey? Yeah. Is it still one of the best offensive lines in the league? Yeah. Is Patrick Mahomes pure magic? Yeah. All that's true, but. Tyreek takes the offense to a completely different realm 
And that, that, him without Tyreek, they got Miko Hardman. Okay, he's a rookie. He'll be playing in his fifth game at, mm-hmm. at best. So in your fifth game, you're going to have this thing down as opposed to Mahomes, who has been with Tyreek for two years, played with him all of last year, set up that synergy, found that. I don't know that I'm, I'm totally buying that. And defensively, I don't know that they're any better. I mean, they lost D. Ford and Justin Houston brought in Frank Clark. Okay. Chris Jones may hold out their star defensive end, so he may hold out. And the only but real he'll upgrade, play against the Texans. Yeah, you'd think. And then the only other upgrade was Tyrant safety. And you know, we saw Tyrant last year. Yeah. So I I think Kansas City's gonna be a good team, but you take Tyreek Hill Tyreek Hill off of that offense, it does not even come close to being as explosive. I mean, you talk about Hill and it doesn't matter how you define who he is. It's I'm the defense when he's on the field. Right. It's scary, mm-hmm. to use that word again that we used in the last segment. Yep. I'm terrified of him. Terrified. And I always go back to how does the defense feel in any sport when X player is on the field, yep. right? Even with the Rockets situation right now and all this debate about Russell Westbrook, if Russell Westbrook played for the Rockets, and with all due respect to Chris Paul, if you were another NBA team and you got to go out that night and face Harden and Westbrook, you're not happy about that. Yep. That's a real tough night. Yeah. I don't care who's on your team. I got to face both those guys. They're both terrifying to me. In the NFL, how did we feel in 2011 when Sproles was on the field for the Saints when you're at the Superdome? You're going there again oh. opening night. How did you feel when Sproles was on the field last year against the Philadelphia Eagles? Right. Certain players do that to you. Go back to USC versus the Texas Longhorns in the Rose Bowl, and when the USC Trojans were trying to pick up a first down, and they got Lendell White in the game, and Reggie Bush, Bush is on the sideline. Right. Put Reggie Bush in the game. It's obvious because when Reggie Bush is in the game, right. it scares the defense, and they got to account for him. those kinds of things are obvious. Or why does Andre always bang the desk if? You get a turnover, right. uh, especially in their end of the field, and you don't go deep right away. Because if you're the defense, you're thinking, please don't go deep. Right. You know, If you hand off, you might get a big play, but I'd rather have you do that right. if I'm the defense. So there are certain things where you want to do what scares the defense most. And having Tyreek Hill on the field is totally scary for the Chiefs. Not having him obviously weakens them, but they still have a really strong team. Anyway. Yeah, yeah there's, that's the thing. I, whether the, and obviously there's been some talk about getting him back. I don't know. My 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 gut, my mm-hmm. gut tells me that it'll be an eight game suspension. This is just I don't know. It's, for some reason, this makes sense. A lot to of me. people think six, but go on. Eight games that they appeal down to six. Oh, okay. Eight, and then they knock it down. They to knock six. it down to six, and we are game I'll number. You, it's a tough. We sell. are game number what six. Thank you. Please make it. <laughs> now, here's here's the flip side. I brought this up, too. Yeah. Tyreek Hill, as a receiver last year, had two of his worst games against which defensive back? Bradley Roby. Bradley Roby, who is now a member of the Texans. So yeah. it's not as if Roby is the kryptonite to Tyreek Hill, but he's seen him before. Mm-hmm. He's covered him before. He's covered him man-to-man before. Like, I've watched both games where Roby played against Tyreek Hill and went, wow, Hill's not getting much. Why? And I'm watching Roby go with him all over the field. I'm like, wow, that's okay, good. he's doing a pretty good job. So, look, you gotta you got to play the hand you're dealt. But, look, if you go to Clint's point about you face the pe- – think about the guys that have killed you when you face them. Tyreek Hill has hurt this team in a major way. Now, some of that was on punt returns, but Tyreek Hill has hurt this team. May or may not play. Gronk, retired. And Skinny, 
He's skinny. He's not coming back. So he's not. Yeah, Gronk not has lost back. the weight. He's not coming back. He's done. We heard rumblings of that early on that yeah. this was not a smokescreen. He's definitely out. It's not just a break. Now, if T.Y. Hilton can just get fat like Gronk. If he could get the weight that Gronk lost. Right. Yes. Add that on. Get a dad bod. I would th- be great. Yeah. Dad bod Tyreek Hill would be good for the Texans. I don't think that's happening. T.Y. Hilton with a dad bod, I'd be happy about. What did I I, say? Oh, I said Tyreek Hill. Yeah. I meant T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, either I, way. Yeah. Well, everybody should get dad bods if they're playing. Right. That'd be wonderful. All right, so Carolina with Cam coming back. Mm-hmm. Started to throw late in the minicamp part of the offseason schedule. Look, I don't know. Like we said, you don't know what you're going to get. He's very dangerous, and he can move the ball around in a variety of ways. They've got a lot of weapons. Uh, they're coming here, which is a nice thing. It's it's not. There's no day off in this league ever. I don't no. care who you're playing. I don't care if it's the bottom rung team. I don't care if it's Owen whatever Cleveland from two years ago. Owen 16 Cleveland. It's still a tough out any given Sunday. Carolina. Uh, there, there's just no breather on this schedule, Johnny. There's well, no. I know. There's no None. even dip early on, and no. maybe that's the one. But my gosh, what a dip that is, Mark. We play. I can't. I always forget if Atlanta goes. First. I think Atlanta's first, right? We play Atlanta first, then Carolina. Yeah. So we play the 2016 league MVP. The next year we play the 2015 league MVP, and then we go face the 2018 league MVP in three straight weeks. Oh my god! We face those three, and then after that, oh, it's Andrew Luck. And speaking of, that was going to be my point about Cam Newton. We were having this discussion last year at this time, going, "Well, we don't know what Andrew Luck's going to be. We don't know." We watched him. I watched him in that Philadelphia game. I sat right in the seat. I was watching him, and you were like, well, "What do you think?" I was like, "He's going to throw the ball down the field. He can't throw the ball on the field. It's like his shoulders." This then against us, what happened? Threw the he ball threw down it the field sixty-two times yeah. and torched us, and we were, we were lucky to get out of there with a W. He, he got loose that day. Four. That was when Andrew Luck got loose. Mm-hmm. So when does it happen for Cam? And look, Cam's got some young talent around him. With uh, DJ Moore, wide receiver. McCaffrey. Curtis Samuel, wide receiver. He's got McCaffrey. He's still got Greg Olson. And that defensive front, like Carolina's going to, I think Carolina's going to be much improved. Uh, they're the team for all or nothing, July 19th. Can't wait. Amazon's NFL well, films, you know, behind the scenes show, all or nothing. I know a Carolina certain Panthers. staff that's going to be combing through that oh, footage. Are you me? To try to find some stuff. Oh, every nugget of and information. And every, every opponent they play is going to be going right through it. Mm-hmm. That's why a lot of these coaches are hesitant to be on these programs. And by hesitant, I mean they don't want to do it <laughs> No, ever. Ever. But Flat out rebellious to it. But they know it's great for the league, too. So I don't know that we've talked about this. What? John Gruden and the Raiders on Hard Knocks last year in Oakland. I know it's it's good. How about them not having real public practices? It seems so unraider like to do it. That's odd. They're doing sponsors, so you'll see some fans, yeah, yeah, but yeah. they're they're getting in through a, an elite sort of way, for lack of a better way of putting Interesting. it. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I would have. You got to do something. I would have thought last year in Oakland. Hey, let's let's give do the fans. A few things. You know what? All you got to do is I open open a couple, two, three, four, whatever, and then you you quiet the critics and you move on. Yeah. What's the problem? I, yeah, Limit that's the a little, tickets. It's a little odd, but Raiders. A.B. with their car, with John Gruden. Oh, I want to watch that spectacular circus. Oh, I, th- I want to watch it not just in Hard Knocks. I want to watch, I want to watch it all the year long. You, you play. All right, this schedule is so loaded with intrigue and great drama and great players because all right, the intrigue about all or nothing subject Carolina, yep. Hard Knocks subject 
Raiders. Oh, yeah. So you get that. Yep. You get all those MVPs you were just talking about. How many Hall of Famers are you going to get on this schedule? How many future Whoa. Hall of Famers? Breeze in. Rivers, uh, maybe someday. Close. But how about this? With the quarter, I did, so the the week prior, I did the Ultimate 11. Each day, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I did the Ultimate 11 players, uh, non-quarterback offensive players you face. Right. Then I did the defensive players. Then the quarterbacks. And as I was going through the quarterbacks, that's when it hit me. All the, we're, we're, even Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, we're going to face in the preseason. We're going to face yeah. during the year. But every MVP dating back to Tom Brady's first win, or I'm sorry, Peyton Manning back in 03, every active player other than Adrian Peterson, the Texans will be on the field with at some point during the year, which is, which is unbelievable. But think about Super Bowl MVPs, too. Okay. Foles. Right. Flacco. Mm-hmm. Breeze. Brady. Brady. Facing four guys with Super Bowl MVPs as well. So you're facing league MVPs. You're facing Super Bowl MVPs. Von Miller. Von, oh, my gosh. I forgot about Von. I was just doing it for the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Von Miller, yeah. That's crazy. I'm, it's, it, I mean. It's loaded. Julian Edelman. <laughs> it's I mean, loaded. are you facing every Super Bowl MVP for the last? Yeah, because you're going to face Edelman from 18 Foles from 17, Brady from 16, Von Miller from 15, 14, I believe, was Seattle. No, it was Brady. It was the, it was the comeback against Seattle. I think it oh, was Brady. Oh, oh, And then Brady the year before that. Seattle. The re- year before that was Seattle, which was Malcolm Smith, which I'm not sure where Malcolm Smith no. is. I don't know. If, but then the year before that was Flacco. And you have Flacco here with the Denver Broncos. Is he still playing by then? That's a great question. That, that's I don't know. We don't, that's why he put – that's why Clint Sterner put Flacco, question mark. Okay, anyway, we addressed that. Sterner's a great guy, good tweet, uh, brought up a lot of conversation. You may or may not agree, and that's just the whole thing about sports, isn't it? We don't know. So we do know that Chris Ballard, general manager of the Colts, wrote MMQB this week. He did, and he talked – he talked Wait, was about, it Peter King's? Yeah, uh, Peter King's. All right, so Peter people King's, still call it MMQB. I know, I screwed up. In Football Night America. Yeah. Football Night America. And he's had guest writers, which Eisen did one a couple weeks ago, and he talked about that, the replay, the the pass interference replay situation, mm-hmm. uh, kind of simulation that they were in, and just the jaws dropping when when I think it was either Bland, I think it was Blandino or Riveron came in and said, this would actually be offensive pass interference. And everybody was like, what? And went crazy. So he wrote about that instance. Well, this week he got Ballard, Chris Ballard, to write, for Football Night America. What were some of the highlights? And he talked about the draft process. He, tra- he talked about the thought process that went into drafting Rocky Sin. And outside of the fact that he talked about all the different discussions they had, he said Rock was still on the board in the first round. He felt like it was too good an offer from Washington to pass up. They got two twos. And they got the 34. And he said when they got the 34, he said the room was mixed. He said half wanted to trade down. They still felt like they could have gotten you sin. And he said the other half was like, nope, we need him now. And he said he and Frank Reich kind of stepped off, talked for a couple minutes about it, and then he heard from the room and he went, no, guys, we're going to stay here. We're going to take you sin. And he said the one thing that they were sold on more than anything else was the fact that he was a blue card player, as they called it. They flagged like, not flag, that sounds bad, but 10 to 12 players they give kind of a blue star, like 
this is our this is the kind of guy we oh, would yeah. love to their have. Like, brand like we would call the guy a Texan all for all the great assets it was his it was his character it was his football character football they, character it was yeah. his football character where they felt like that guy is a cult and that stood out to me more than anything because if young players are reading that a young player like man how do i get to the nfl how do i get to the nfl that first and foremost is what personnel departments are looking for what is your football character? He also talked about they have a guy on staff. I think his name is Decker, and he's a former Green Beret, and he is essentially the team interviewer because he has over years crafted this interview mechanism with players where he can get kind of beyond the surface stuff and get right to the heart of the matter and does it, does it answer these four questions, basically. Mm-hmm. And if he does and answers them, then he says, yes, this is a guy that we would like to have. And, and that's isn't that most important, really? Yeah. I mean, obviously talent, but right. there are a lot of guys with talent. Right. Just like there are a lot of high school basketball coaches that will they'll tell you there are a lot of great players walking the hallway who will never make their team. Absolutely. Or never play competitively. So there are a lot of guys with talent. But who are the guys who could be great pros? And we talk right. about this, and this team has a way of figuring that stuff out too, and probably it's going to change, adjust even further Absolutely. now uh, with this GM change situation. But I think Jack Easterby is going to help in that regard as yep. well. Absolutely. Because he's so great with people. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see how it all transpires here in the next year or so. I thought it was interesting, the one thing he said, and I, I said this to you. We were talking about Titus the day after the draft, Titus Howard, leading into to day two. And – he did the interview with us. He walked out, and I said to you, I'm not panicked about this. And, and, and I said, because if a guy works hard, if he's got some semblance of athletic ability, and the guy wants it, and he's going to do what he's got to do every single day to be a good professional, the guy's not going to be a bust. And one of the things that stood out to me in the article, as Chris Ballard was talking about, he said, your athletic ability sets your ceiling. He said, but your football character establishes your floor. Mm. And I thought that was, that was, a, that was a, succ- a succinct way of putting what I was saying about Titus, and that is his football character is off the charts. Right. He's not going to fail. He's not going to fail. Now, is he going to be a 10-time pro bowler? Eh, we don't know that. He's got the athletic ability to do it, but his football character will ensure that he's not going to be a bust. You know, it's funny. I'm glad you brought up the word floor because we always talk about ceiling. Right. But – these, these personnel guys, the coaches too, they talk about floor more often than you hear Absolutely. because to them that's important. What's the downside of drafting this guy? What's the worst-case scenario, or maybe not worse, but lesser-case scenario? And they want to know what that is. Oh, worst case, this guy's going to be a you know solid player for right. us, and he's not going to melt down when things get tough. Johnny, thanks a lot. You got it, Mark. All right, that's going to do it for tonight's show. We could have talked for hours because Johnny and I have not been on the air together for a couple of weeks so we'll continue with this throughout the week anyway you want to hear this program again it'll be up on houstontexans.com texans app shortly or wherever fine podcasts are available stay tuned for more great texans talk and other sports talk on sports radio 610 have a great night and go texans